Welcome back to the Adventure Geeks podcast. I am your host, Eric. This is Ian. How are we doing? And Ray. So this week we are talking about quite a few interesting things. Um, We're going to go into our Black Widow news, some Dead Space news. We'll talk about our anime segment, which this week is going to be Dr. Stone. And then these two lovely gentlemen went to Terrificon, so that is going to be our main topic for this week. Eric, um, I, I appreciate that, but you may be stretching the word gentleman with uh, with the two of us. <laughs> that's why I was really talking about Ray and not you. We're <laughs> <laughs> smart <Yeah. Poor> <laughs> little shit. <laughs> you did hold the door for me yesterday. That was really nice of you. How how many chicks did you hit on, Ian? I didn't hit anybody. I'm just, I just admired the costumes. I asked him a couple of photos. That's all I did. You know? One, I'm one not hand or two hands. Oh, <laughs> Eric, you know Ian. He's always prowling. I know, <laughs> always creeping. <laughs> I'm not super creep. <laughs> super creep. He's super creepy. <laughs> you, man, you're lucky. You're 200 miles away right now, dude. <laughs> oh, you know where I am. Come and get me. <laughs> uh, Ian, do you want to start us off? Sure. So we wanted to mention the uh, controversy with uh, Scarlett Johansson and Disney and the release of Black Widow. So, yeah. oh, hold on, hold on, I forgot. What's up? What's I, up, Ray? I need to issue a formal apology to everyone who's listening. Uh, when we first started the show, I talked about my favorite DC hero, and I said Batman. That was false. That was false. Oh. Well, okay. what is it? Found out this weekend due to going through my comics, checking out what I've had signed and stuff. It is in fact Booster Gold. Okay, all right. So At least it's not Superman. Issuing a full hey. apology. Booster Gold is my favorite DC hero because I have a lot of Booster Gold stuff. <laughs> hey, Ray, your room is enshrined in Booster Gold memorabilia. Yep. Thought about it until this weekend, but we can get into that later when we talk about Terrificon. Oh yeah, because okay. I, I have some questions. <laughs> Always <Okay>. questions. <laughs> anyway, Ian, what is our news? So apparently, if I read this right, Scarlett Johan- the claim with Scarlett Johansson is that since Disney has released um, Black Widow on Disney Premium streaming service. Yep. She's not making any royalties off of it, only in the theatrical release. Now, is this true, Eric, Ray? Did I mis- they misinterpret this? So my understanding is that she, uh, they, Disney got a breach of contract because the movie to be re- released theatrically only, and most of her profits yep. would come from that. Um, her complaint, I think, is not only that, but because of the the simultaneous release with Disney Plus, that she's actually losing money, and the box office wasn't as good because of Disney Plus. 
That's oh, my wow. understanding of it. Well, this is like from two years ago when Black Widow was first. The, the trailer came out for it. This is before coronavirus, before the whole everyone stopped going to the movie theaters and started yeah. um, watching from home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, you know how much money she's losing, Eric. How much money that uh, this is making off? I mean, she, I don't know exactly. I know she's definitely not making nearly as much, but she's still pretty well off. Uh, let's be real here with her and all the movies that she's been in. She's making a pretty penny as it is. It's just not as much as she should have been getting um, with Black Widow only doing theatrical release originally. I wonder if her agent or her lawyer, whoever helped sign this contract with her, kind of made a note of that or said, hey, we could run into some uh, legal jit. This could be a legal issue like down the road. And before I continue, Ray, what are your thoughts? Well, so, I mean, I never really, I mean, I obviously I didn't, I didn't pay to go see Black Widow on uh, Disney Plus. So I went to the movie theaters, but, you know, at the same time, like when this is coming after, you know, a certain actor like that, I mean, it, it could have been in her contract earlier, but you got to think no one thought we were going to have an pandemic. But yeah, but that that's what you pay like agents, lawyers, you know. I mean, unless she unless she had it like maybe during the pandemic, but I don't think anyone thought I mean she should have been notified that Disney was gonna release it on right. like I feel like that's that's something that they should have known. Yeah, I'm 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 in agreement with that because like it's we've been in quarant well technically on quarantine for what a, a little over two years now so yeah about and there have been movies that have come out since then my only point that kind of like I feel bad for her is if this were to be a typical movie release for Marvel she would have made a lot more money um I that's how I feel with it like she if this was like not COVID at all she would, that movie would have made some serious cash. Um, just like any other Marvel movie would have. And I think the gripe, I think, is the fact that Black Widow, number one, didn't get a movie when she was supposed to. Uh, she should have gotten a movie earlier on in the MCU rather than, you know, after she already died. Um, and it should have released a while ago. Um, yeah, but I think I mean, that's part of the problem. Was that the plan to release Black Widow after Avengers Endgame and after the streaming service startup, so we got that little, we got that stinger. So I think at the end, my understanding of it is Marvel claims that there wasn't enough of a following for the character until like Endgame, and maybe even during Civil War. I think um, is when her popularity started to come up because if you think about it, she really wasn't in the forefront until about. Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier, maybe the earliest. Yeah, I'd, I'd say probably around Winter Soldier. Yeah, because that was like to me, that's still like the best Marvel film well, out of all out of all of them. Even in the first Avengers, she wasn't featured prominently. No, not at all. Because you had original originally focused on. You know, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man. Iron Man, yeah. Everyone was extra hyped because that's when Ruffalo was playing Hulk. 
Right. Yep. So it was almost like her and unfortunately like just completely not throw to the sidelines, but like they didn't really do as much as they could with them. Right. It's hard to be a normal human surrounded by gods, basically. Yeah. yeah. That's my that's my understanding. I mean, to her character's defense, too, it's almost like Hawkeye, too, because, like, obviously Marvel can't do a standalone Hulk movie because the rights are still technically with Universal. Yeah. But with with Black Widow and Hawkeye, they could have had so- solo stand- standalone movies sooner if if there was that much of an interest. Do yeah. I think the Black Widow movie was good and deserved to get more money? Absolutely. But at the same time, Am I really that interested in her character? Not really, to be to be honest. I mean, I think if, well, I mean, if it had come out like maybe before Endgame and Infinity War, kind of like the timeline suggested in the movie, yeah, maybe it would have done better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we wouldn't be faced with this, but then it also brings up an interesting point because is she really losing money because she still has all the merchandising too. Right. So like you have all these girls who are, you know, and guys who are going out buying like Black Widow toys, Black Widow clothing. Um, you know, I can only think about how much, you know, goes into all these, you know, Black Widow costumes and stuff. I mean, official they're probably not officially licensed, but you mm-hmm. know at the same time, all of that merchandising still goes straight to her, too. Right. Well, you guys both know how I feel about Disney. I think they make enough money already. So any right. time you can take money away from them is okay with me. Yeah. But even with having her sue Disney, like I was like uh, the other day when we were in the car driving uh, to the Ian's car, um, there was an article that popped up saying that now it looks like Emma Stone and uh, Emily Blunt want to sue Disney for them releasing Cruella and what is it, Jungle Cruise? Jungle Cruise, yep. On Disney Plus. So I mean, that that could start a whole other thing. But on the other side, right? So you have HBO Max. How come none of those people are going after HBO Max. Right, right, exactly. Like, because, I mean, ever since COVID started, there's been a bunch of movies coming out on HBO Max. I mean, the Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat, Suicide Squad now, Space Jam, like, but you don't hear any of these actors or actresses going after HBO Max. So I wonder, because it's probably because they're not charging for the movie, they're including it with the subscription purpose, so I think that's a whole different thing. Right, like HBO actors and actresses have more of a break because it is, it it goes along with the subscription, while with Disney Plus, you have to be a subscriber and then pay the premium price too, so like Scarlett Johansson and everybody on Black Widow is making money off of the, not only the premium access, but I'm sure there's a little bit of dipping in when it comes to the scri- subscribers, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so but, what exactly does Disney Premium entail? What does it give extra to the... Uh... So it, you literally have to buy the movie. So Premium Access, you have to buy that single movie for so, like a day or two. Yeah, so you're getting charged yeah. regular Disney Plus 
which was like what, ten bucks? Yeah, something like that. Ten bucks, and then you're buying a thirty dollar. That doesn't seem worth it to me. For like, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's not worth it unless you're watching it with like five or six people. Yeah. But I, I think Scarlett Johansson has more of a case than Emily Blunt and Emma Stone, though, because if you think about it, like, how many people were really going to go to the movie theaters to watch Cruella? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, it's a Disney movie, but it's one of those Disney movies where I wouldn't take my kid to go see that movie. What that if, movie was way too dark if, for a kid. What if your kid's a, a diehard black and white haired lady fan it's it depends on how old my kid is like if they're eight or nine years old i'm not going to take them to see that movie eric when i was eight or when i was eight my parents took me to see titanic that was pg-13 hell i watched terminator at the age of eight so <laughs> I was watching rated R movies at that time. That doesn't mean I'm going to raise my kids that way, but that's besides the point. Um, maybe Jungle Cruise has a little bit more um, of a case, but at the same time, I don't think that many people were going to go see Jungle Cruise. Isn't Jungle Cruise just basically a remake of The African Queen? Well, it looks a little bit like Pirates of the Caribbean, too. Well, so with Jungle Cruise, right, so... It said Emily Blunt was in talks to do that. Why isn't The Rock? That's true. I don't know like, why it's it's only I her. Anything about The Rock trying to, you know, sue Disney, which is kind of weird considering he's The Rock. I would look at their con. I would look at the contracts. If Dwayne's contracts different from Emily Blunt's contract in in regards to uh, the streaming service or whatever, maybe that's the kit. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe they got a good case. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Unfortunately, I'm not a lawyer, and I don't have the expertise to pick through every legal document, but... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting, but do I think every actor and actress should come out and start suing Disney? I don't think that's really necessary. Like, if they didn't release it on Disney Plus and just went to theaters, do we honestly think that people would still be going out as much as they used to? Probably not. I think it's still going to take a while for people to start going back to the way it used to be. So it also said that Kevin Feige is supporting that. Supporting the so with that, you know, what, what does that mean for Marvel? Essentially. Yeah, I mean, that probably means that the Marvel movies probably won't be on Disney Plus for well, not in general, but like when they first come out, it'll probably just go to theater at the, that point. Because if you have the head of like the Marvel Studios wouldn't, complaining wouldn't, about it, wouldn't he have known though? He should have known. Of he all people, he would have been the one to know. So if, if like not the head of Marvel Studios, that then you know that that's a big mess up for Disney. Yeah, I mean I. I think it comes down to like they let it go originally because they thought the movie would make more money because it was on the streaming service. And when they found out that it didn't, they start complaining. That's what I'm thinking. I'd be interested yeah. to see how much how much shit made off the streaming service. Yeah, I, I'm interested in that too. You have to be careful though with that, uh, guys. I mean, 
that Disney, if they did that, they're going to alienate a lot of their fans. They got a lot of Marvel comic fans that are giving them a lot of money. So, at the end of the day, they're going to look at their pocketbooks and say, all right, is this fight really worth it? Are we really going to... Are we really going to, like, potentially lose more millions of dollars for a short-term game? Right. And and I think eventually, it might take another year or two, but eventually I think it'll go back to to new movies just going to theaters again. Because they're going to start realizing that they're going to be making more monies, money off of just allowing it to go to theaters. Yeah. So I mean, that's like, my two cents on it. Like me personally, like I, I love going to movies. It's just a lot. Of so like, especially when I think about like, cause I really want to see Suicide Squad in theaters. Um, like I don't really want to, you know, watch it from my living room. Right. Exactly. That's a movie you want to see on the big screen in IMAX. Yeah. You don't want to watch Endgame off a pirated copy on your uh, phone? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. But anywho, um, shall we transition into our next topic? So, Eric, you wanted to bring up the new Dead Space trailer that came out two weeks ago? I was a schoolgirl getting super excited over this. Um, I have been waiting for Dead Space to come up with a remake for, no joke, like five to ten years at this point. Ever since the disappointment of the third one, I wanted them to remake it, especially with all, which, especially with all the other remakes they've been doing. Um, and then they announced with a teaser trailer that they were remaking the first one. EA is obviously doing it but they have um a specific studio ea motive that's like brand new that they just opened up that um is going to do the remake and it's going to be directed by baptizat who actually did um he was the director for assassin's creed valhalla too um which was a solid game i haven't finished it yet but that was a solid game in the in assassin's creed franchise um so I'm excited for this. I don't know if it's supposed to come out on strictly like PS5 and Xbox X series or if it's going to go on PS4 and Xbox One too, but I'm excited for it. I don't know when it's going to come out, but I am super pumped for this. So the uh, USG Ishimura for the first time in 15 years, so the Brubex Memories. That's probably one of the very few, few video games I've played where I was literally scared. Yes, the time. It was one of the. It was the only game where I actually had to stop playing after a little while because I was that scared to move on. <laughs> so, um, I used to buy the plasma rifle and I used to upgrade it because I figured, all right, the more bullets I can carry, the more chance I can live. <laughs> yeah. I hope they kind of remake all three of them, even I, though thir- three was I'd awful. Be okay without the third one. Yeah, maybe just the first two. I mean, I like the third one for for reasons. I I kind of wish they they spent less time with the love story with Isaac and uh, Ellie, and kind of focus more on like, all right, the Sovereign Colonies. Who are they? Why are we just learning about this after two video games? Yeah. What are what are the markers? I mean, we know they're alien, but where do they come from? Mm. 
I mean, you didn't, you didn't like the cliffhanger ending with the DLC in the third one where Isaac and uh, John are realizing, oh, shit, we screwed up, and now Earth is gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there there are moments in the third one, but mm, they, 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 they almost did, like, um, what Resident Evil did, but they did it wrong, where... They went from horror to action, and the action failed. Resident Evil did it well. Sorry, uh, I wasn't a fan of Six. I mean, there were some Resident Evil games that I wasn't a fan of, but for the most part, they got the action down. Like Resident Evil Four, they got the action down. And then Village Two was fantastic, but. Um, I'm going to assume it's probably not going to come out until at least late 2022. That's what I'm probably getting at. Maybe early 2023. Yeah. Hopefully I'll get a PlayStation 5 by then. (laughs) For for Mass Effect. Yep. And it's funny. So uh, anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge Mass Effect. So... I know you're freaking out there, Ray. Is, is that me? I don't know if it's you or Ian, but some one. I don't think it's me. What's up? Must be. Ian. Oh, my dog just came in. No. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, well, that explains it. <laughs> Damn. Damn it, Ian. <laughs> I thought you fell or something. He's a dog. He likes to walk around. You know, he gets up. I thought you fell. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, he just walked in. Um, but yeah. So, like, anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge Mass Effect fan. So, when they announced that it was getting remastered, all three of them, I was pretty excited for it. But like, so it's funny. Even when I was playing it, like you can tell the first one was a hundred percent remastered because it looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um. But I wonder, because, like, with 2 and 3, those already looked good on, like, even when it was back at, backward compatible on the Xbox One and Xbox One X when those came, mm-hmm. still looked good. So it looked like all they did was, with 2 or 3, just, like, some improved shell, sa- shell uh, cell shading and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, it looked it looked pretty good for what it was. I mean, it, it did take a while, though, so um, I guess it depends on what company. Yeah, we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. Now, um, is it is it the same company that did Mac? Is it the same? Um, I'm not sure, actually. Because it was pretty cool. So, like, the weekend Mass Effect dropped, the remastered, uh, there was a cool little Q&A panel that uh, the... Uh, I guess like head designers for the remastered edition we're having with like a bunch of voice actors from uh, Mass Effect. So they did talk a lot about um, a lot about you know what went into it, how long it took. Yeah, I mean, I I'm I'm excited for. It. I still have to play the Mass Effect uh, remake. Ugh. I'll get I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I just need time. <laughs> just like just like I needed time for our next topic that we're gonna get into 
in one minute. So this week's anime that we're talking about is Dr. Stone, um, which I actually thoroughly enjoyed. I thought I wasn't going to like it as much as I did. I knew you were going to like it. Yeah, this was, this, was, <laughs> this was really good, and I actually was able to get through the first season. I'm going to watch the second season, but I haven't gotten too far into it yet to talk about. But, Silver uh, dub. Huh? Silver dub. You're gonna, you guys are going to get mad at me, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that mystery to the audience. <laughs> I will say this though, the I think the dub voice actor is coming to Kineticon in September, so no, actually, I actually might get an autograph. Right, you have to be very careful because if you start arguing about sub versus dub, you're gonna start a war. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not gonna start that war. I have my preference, but listen, man, I'll I'll watch dub as long as it's like the old stuff I grew up with. I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah, right, like the old stuff. Some of the old stuff I grew up with was bad dubbing. I mean, God, yeah, did you ever, like... What is classic? Right, 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 did you ever, like, watch the original dubbing to Bubblegum Crisis back from the 80s? No, I don't think I watched anime in the 80s. I was born in 89. <laughs> That's another conversation altogether. Oh, but, right, anyway. were, you, were you not born in 1989? I was born in 1990, my man. Okay, see, so then you never watched it either. Yeah, but you never. You, you tell me you never. Uh, you know, when you got older, you never watched any anime from the eighties. You know, when you're like 10, 11 years old. I think the first anime I watched was Yu Yu Hakusho on Toonami. Oh, oh yeah, the Yu Hakusho Adult Swim. That was my that was my jam. Yusuke Urameshi. My favorite one that I watched was Zoids. Zoids was good too. I love Zoids. Zoids. The original. Chaotic Century? I think it was Chaotic Century. I actually went back and rewatched it in college because I missed it. Yeah, no Hulu, regrets. Hulu has a pretty good one. Like when my friend Joe came over one time, we watched like Monster Rancher and Yu Gi Oh! And... Yeah. Yeah. yeah was... So Monster Rancher and Pokemon, I used to watch every, every morning eating breakfast before I went to school. You still can't find Metabots anywhere, which sucks. I know. I yeah. Metabots, Metabots was like so good. I used to have like the to- like these things were so fucking cool. It was like Metabots, but they were like remote control cars that like you could punch people with, oh, that's and you cool. could have yeah. it was. Oh, you could battle one another. It was really dope. I kept confusing uh, Meta B for uh, Bumblebee from Trent, like Transformers. <laughs> they looked. Yeah. So- it looks so similar to me when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, who wants to start us off with Dr. Stone? I'll start. <laughs> All right, man. I'll start. I, I'm, I didn't mean to cut everyone off, but like... No, you're I, fine. You so do like, it. It's funny. So I never like knew anything about Dr. Stone until like... I forget which New York it was. We were at one New York Comic Con, me and my friend Anthony... And like they they had like they were talking about it at like the Crunchyroll booth, and I was like, ah, I don't know what this is. I don't know if I'll watch it. And then like it was weird. It was I think it was like the year it came out. Like I waited until it was all done, and then I was like, okay, I'll watch it. I'll check it out. And then I watched it, and I was like, holy crap, this was good. 
Like, yeah. I didn't expect to like it as much as I really liked it. Oh. Right. Is it the story, the the characterization, yeah, the so setting? It's a couple what, what... of things, because, like, I, I do this thing where, like, when I catch up to the anime, I, like, end up reading the manga just because I mm-hmm. like, want more. So, like, after finishing the first season, I was like, oh, man, I, I want to, like, I want more. So then, like, I used, it wasn't the Shonen Jump app, because I, I don't think I had it then. I used some manga site that I use all the time. And, like, I just blew through it in, like, a whole night. Like, it took me, like, I don't know, maybe at least four hours just to catch up on it. And I was just blown away. Like, I was so incaptivated by the story. Like, it's just the concept is crazy. Like, so if anyone doesn't know the concept of it, it's called Dr. Stone. So there was a unknown event that occurred that turned the entire world to stone. And so, like, what is it? Like, a billion years went by? It was 3,700 years. So 3,700 years went by. And then one person woke up. Uh, Senku. Yep. And Senku is like the one of the smartest people in the world. And he's like, well, he was a teenager, right? Yep. I think yeah. he was high school age. Yeah, he was in high school. And this Senku was like super smart, knew everything, really loved science. And so, science. When he awoke, he was like, oh, what happened? And then he was the only one for like. The longest time because and Eric, if you want to explain how he awoke, I'd be, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, so I I actually liked this so much. I was actually writing notes as I was watching this. Oh, <laughs> so proud of you. <laughs> he basically, so he woke up, um, and I think it's because he was in the cave. And well, first off, let me backtrack. He was consciously never unconscious. Yep. He counted every single second he was trapped in stone, which blows my mind every single time. I would have gone crazy. But uh, I, it was like the nitric acid that was dripping from the cave that woke him up, right? Yep. And that's how he awoke. Um, and he basically rebuilds soci- civilization from the ground up. And unlike a lot of these other animes... You actually learn shit in this show, which blew my mind. So it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned that because, like, I love science. So it was so cool, like, learning more different science throughout the show. Yeah, like, it teaches you how to build a battery and a clay oven and, and all that shit. It was actually really cool. Yeah, there was, a lot, of cool, any of this. Like, there was a lot of cool, like, science stuff that was just, like, in there. Because, like... <laughs> You, when you watch anime, you're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. You either watch, like, a shonen anime, a shoujo man anime, or, like, you know, an isekai where you get reincarnated in another world, and mm-hmm. it's, like, something funny. And you're like, holy crap, I'm actually learning something from this. Yeah, and it, the whole science versus fantasy thing was really interesting, too, because not only do you have, like, Senku's science and, and his kingdom of science, but you also have the... Um, the brute that he wakes up, um, so, yeah, so I always mispronounce these names and he's got like some superhuman strength and then he's got his, his general, the Hi- Hayuga. Yeah. Hayuga. 
who's like super fast. Um, so there's a big time science versus fantasy thing, and Senku ends up trying to. Well, let me back up because it, him and Taiju is the first one he wakes up. Yep, that's his best friend. Yep, his best friend from high school. He wakes up and kind of helps him do all the manual labor because Senku literally just does the thinking and the experimenting and stuff like that. So he needs somebody to do the labor. Yeah, Taiju's just like the the dumb muscle. Yep. But it's funny, so... I'm sorry to interrupt because I, I love talking about Dr. Mm-hmm. So, like, with Taiju, it's really funny because the only thing he wants to do is wake up the girl that he confessed to before he got turned to stone. Yep. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. Yeah. And one of the... the I love his ideology behind this because one of the first things Senku says that got me further interested in the show was he says it's not that there are things science can't explain there are rules behind everything that happens science is just a plane for the pain in the ass effort that goes into finding out what they are yep i'm sorry not pain name name for the pain in the ass effort that goes into finding out what they are and i was like wow um, and he uses science for everything in the show. And then he wakes up this, this his, I guess, rival. Sh- I, oh, wait, I always mess this up. Shishio, right? Yeah. Now uh, you're close. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm not good the one, with the... He's the, the high school. What what was his nickname? The high school brute primate or something like that. Yep, Sukasa. And they get into this whole ph- ph- philosophy debate about like who they should bring back and who they should just kill because Shishio wants. Sukasa. To be- Thank you. <laughs> I'm just gonna go to you to pronounce the name. Ah, <laughs> he goes around and pretty much picks and chooses who they should revive and then kills everybody else when they're defenseless. Yeah. And then Senku ends up saying, nah, everybody should be brought back because it's only fair that way. Yeah. But um, the other guy thinks the philosophy is like that the rich old people were holding down everybody else and they didn't really deserve to to come back because everybody else deserved a chance at being successful. So that's kind of what tore the two camps apart, and that rivalry grows throughout the, the show. And it's kind of cool, because, like, so throughout the show, you're getting really cool, like, glimpses of what happened to humanity. Like, it, I think it was the third episode where they're walking around, and they go to uh, Hakone, one of the, like, cities in Japan, and they were able to find the great Buddha statue as a yep. And I thought that was pretty cool. And they were ending up trying to go to a hot spring to uh, create gunpowder. Yeah, I remember that. Which is pretty crazy because they think that that's the only way that they can, you know, uh, stave off Sukasa. Yep. Yeah, and, and then they go into the whole like information warfare, and and and, he, and Senku brings you through the ages of civilization, and then they end up where I'm caught up with is they just made the cell phone, and 
What are your thoughts, Ian? We haven't heard your thought on, on the show yet. Oh, hold on. You, you like glitched out for a second. Are you still there? I'm still, yeah, here. I'm still here. Yeah, just oh, oh, that was couldn't cool. hear anything for a second. Yeah. I couldn't hear anything after you talked about the battery. Oh, yeah. So I left <laughs> off with the cell phone and the, and then making the cell phone and dropping it off in um, Sukasa's camp. Oh, okay. So you're in season two. Yep. You, just you, started season yeah. So there was a lot where – and I'm going to jump in again. I'm sorry because – Go uh, for it. Right, dude. You skipped – not that you skipped a lot, but you're showing me where you are now. So it's pretty crazy because, like, after they, you know, figured out how to make the gunpowder, that's when they spotted another smoke signal. Mm-hmm. So it, indicating that there's other people alive, which I'm sure they were like, holy, holy crap, I thought we were the only three people here. Or four people. Yep. So, and then it's it's kind of cool because after that, like, Tsukasa, quote-unquote, you know, and spoilers alert if you haven't watched it yet, quote-unquote, kills Senku. And... Well, he ever dies in anime, dude. <laughs> you know yeah, that. It's funny because, like, even at that moment, I was like, oh, shit, he's dead. I was like, what's going to happen now? But he actually hit a spot of petrification on his neck so he actually survived. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember. Yeah, and then, you know, then comes one of my favorite characters, Kohaku, which mm-hmm. she, after after Senku saved her by creating um, basically a block and tackle to lift the tree that had fell on Kohaku, She's like, oh man, you know, I, I'm I'm your servant now. So like, that's when he he she takes him back to the village. He meets uh, the guards, Kenro and Genro, and of course everyone's favorite, the quote unquote sorcerer, who's Chrome, which yep. Chrome is essentially a baby scientist learning stuff who only became a scientist to try to help Kohaku's sister, who's sick. Yeah, Ruri. Yeah. So then Senku's like, well, we're going to develop an antibiotic. And it's like, what? How are you going to do that? And then they break down step by step how they would do it. And that's just freaking insane. Yep. And, and it's it's funny because there's a disclaimer at the end of each episode that basically says like, all of the all of the information is true in here with all the different trees and stuff. However, making some of these things are illegal, so tread lightly. <laughs> oh yeah, it's hilarious. I love it. And then it just it, it goes into a lot of more funny stuff. Like Senku uses r- ramen that he creates to win the villagers over, and the villagers are like, "Oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever." And then, you know, one of my other favorite characters is Gen shows up. Yeah, I love Gen. Which Gen is, uh, you know... A mentalist. Yeah, a mentalist, a magician. So, it's it's just like, it's filled with great characters. Like, I love every single character I meet in it. Um, Even now, man, I don't even know what chapter they're on now. They gotta be close to 200. Yeah, they gotta be close to 200. And even now, like, there's still characters that are coming in where you're like, holy crap, this character's awesome. Um, so, you said you left, you, uh, left off where they made, this is season two, right? Yep. Yeah, so, 
And then season two, um, basically it's called Stone Wars, mm-hmm. which is basically uh, Tsukasa against Senku over the Revival Fluid Pit. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I do also want to mention that there was uh, the really good episodes, which were the flashback um, about Senku's father, Yakuya, because so Byakuya was actually in space when it happened with, what was it, like four or five other astronauts? Yep, two of them were Russian, I remember that. Yep, and then, and then there was the pop star. Yep. Which, oh my god, I so it's funny, I, I don't know if my friend Kevin listens to this, but even if you do, I'm going to say it anyways. He actually, like, played that song one day, because it popped up on his Spotify, like, always played. I was like, oh my god, I recognize that song. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, but, like, I mean, it's, it's great. Like, the characters are fantastic, and, like, I'm not going to spoil anything about season two, because season two was pretty good, but, like... Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, you're in for a treat for season three. Um, like after the season three teaser popped up, I'm so hyped for it. Okay, I'm I'm in. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's so many good characters like right after season two that come into play, and you I, I guarantee you we're gonna be talking about it because like it, it's that no, we're definitely gonna have to. Yeah, one of my one of my, I mean, Kyoga's my probably. Uh, or no, Kohaku is my, my favorite because she's awesome, but like one of my like top five characters shows up. Okay. So, but yeah, no, I, I can't talk more about Dr. Stone. And even, so it's funny, so even like reading the manga, the the artist for it, he yep. does like such good work for it. He actually like did a cool like, uh, like a, like not like a crossover, but for like one of the chapters he did like, what if Senku opened a portal and saved Ace from One Piece, quote unquote. Huh. Um, but like he's done, he's done a lot of cool One Piece work. If you look up his stuff, okay. Like he did, uh, I think he did the Ace Light novel, where show showcase a lot of uh, prequel One Piece Ace stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think you've met Ace yet in East Blue, but you will. Yeah. You'll like he's a great character. Okay. Yeah, one of the things I did want to mention too is the writer for um Doctor Stone. Forgot his name. But he actually has like a scientist that he consults for all the science in the show. So it's actually Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool too. A hundred percent accurate on how it would go. Yeah. Yeah. It it is pretty cool. Um so it's funny, it actually reminded me of I I don't know if you guys have watched it. There's this anime called Cells at Work. Okay. It is literally an anime about a red blood cell and a white blood cell in a human body. And they basically explain how everything works. Like, if they get, like, there's different episodes. There's one where, like, the body gets sick and they explain what happens in the body. There's huh. one where, like, uh, there's a cancer cell and they explain what happens in the body. So, like, I didn't think I would like cells at work because I was like, oh, man, this is dumb. But I was like, oh, my God, I'm learning so much. I was <laughs> and then there's – so then they came out with cells at work code black, which is, like, what happens to – so cells at work, the original, is, like, a healthy body. Cells at work code black is what happens with an unhealthy body. 
Mm-hmm. So like, actually, like after I watched it, I was like, oh man, I gotta start eating better because uh-huh. like it actually showed what happened. Like, you know, if you're eating crappy food all the time, you know, if you're drinking a lot, if you're smoking a lot, yeah. You know, if you know, this is an adult show. If you have erectile dysfunction, <laughs> like it's crazy. And I'm like, oh my god, I never like thought an anime would teach me stuff you right. know about e- either anatomy or science like it's crazy it's the adult version of pbs yeah essentially <laughs> to watch. it's enjoyable and fun to watch ian what are your thoughts on dr sam i did i liked the uh i mean what was like kind of like looking at like the big picture connection kind of deal so you know we got uh I mean, the whole My Versus Right kind of reminds me of Lord of the Flies, you know. Mm-hmm. Anybody ever read that? Read that book yeah. in your eyes? Yep. You know, you know, do we return to old society, you know, civilization that we know with rules? Or do we start something new, something, you know, primal, you know, uh, survival of the fittest, well, all that, all that. Uh, kind of got like an I Am Legend vibe too, where, you know, beginning, you're kind of on your own. In the world, no, no monsters this time. At least not, not that I've, uh, what I've come across. Hmm. I don't know. Favorite I mean, character, uh, Ian. Favorite character. Uh, kind of like Senki. I mean, uh, quirky, uh, quirky scientist. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I was kind of quirky when I was when I was a kid. Not not as, not as smart as him. Not as you know, animated as him. But uh, I, I mean, you kind of. You kind of gotta, you know, put it in your. Um, uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of my, my childhood, you know, because I always had my head in the books. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Of course, it's, uh, Tanky does his buddy does kind of remind me of the guy who tries to admit his crush, and then the universe just screws oh, him over <laughs> for three thousand years. Yeah, is is that what happened to you, Ian? Is that why you're still single? <laughs> uh, maybe we'll never know. There's a few reasons behind that, but we, we, let's not, let's not talk about the past. <laughs> well, so real real quickly, and I want to just touch upon two other characters real quick. So mm-hmm. you have um, uh, Suika, the little girl. Yep. And I can't remember if it's Kenro or Genro. Um, and they have the quote unquote fuzzy eye disease, which Senku realizes, oh, they need glasses. Yep, and he and makes I it. thought that was hilarious, because like, when uh, and there's, there's like one part where they do like a, a contest fight to try to like, who's getting the hand of um, the girl of the really? village. Yeah, yeah and uh, Kinro's like, oh, well, I have glasses. I can see everything now, and I'm like, <laughs> This is so, like, like you almost think about it, like, oh, my God, back in, like, the old days, like, is this what people thought? Like, I have fuzzy eye disease. I can't see anything. Oh, hey, here's glasses. <laughs> Problem solved. If you want to do that, we can talk about, like, the four humors that I think was medieval or uh, might have been, like, the Ro- during, during the time of the Romans with the, uh, you know, oh, it's, like, four humors – each person has if one is more than the other it's going to cause a disease or imperfection in the body 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And real quick, I really wanted to um, bring up how awesome the animation looks, too. Oh, the animation is fantastic. Especially, like, the opening and the ending, the the credits. Oh, my God. All throughout the animation is... I think all throughout... Yeah, the the animation. I can't remember who the animation company is for that though. Um, I'll I'll figure it out. I'll let you know. Okay, sounds good. But yeah, it's it's almost like I I don't want to say it's like CGI mixed in, but like with the intro and the outro, it, it looks like they even CGI'd it a little bit. Well, new style of animation is like that. It's not like the. 80s or 90s where you got a lot of hand drawn animation. Yeah. So you can definitely you can definitely tell the difference. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that wraps us up for Dr. Stone. What do you guys think? Any last thoughts? Uh, I love it and I cannot wait to talk to you about uh, all the other new characters that are going to show up. I can't wait. Ian. All I'm going to say is that uh, kids, if you're listening to this, stick to science because if the world does have an event like this, you're, you're our salvation. <laughs> 100%. All 100% right. salvation. And after our break, we are going to bring in the Terrificon. So stay tuned. Sounds like a plan. Uh, yeah, Eric, I'll take over for right now. So our biggest, biggest topic for this podcast is uh, Terrificon 2021, the first Comic Con. Uh, most of us have been back to, at least locally, since the quarantine's effectively over. Yeah. Well, over. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was really nice being back at a convention again. Right. Did you, did you feel weird going around? Like some people had masks on, some didn't. I mean, I, I went maskless for the most part. I mean, I got vaccinated, but I'm like, all right, do is it really over? Do I put the mask back on? What do I so it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. Like I, I was debating it, and I was like, I don't know. And then I had texted. Well, um, for those of you who I'm sure follow me on Instagram and uh, Facebook, I, I asked my friend uh, Toby, who does the Tobias Kodogram shop, who does all the comic collages and stuff. Because I was like, oh, well, I didn't see anything on the website about you know whether I have to have a mask, even if I'm vaccinated. And he was like, oh, well, it goes by, um, like, Mohegan Sun rules, Connecticut state rules. So I was like, oh, okay. And then he was like, oh, well, you should you should probably bring one anyways, you know, just in case. And I was like, yeah, you know what? He's, he's kind of right. So the first um, – I'll, I'll jump in real quick here. The first, uh, first day I had a mask on. Uh, second day I had a mask on. And then I took it off maybe around, like, the last – hour i was there um and then today when i went with anthony i wore a mask off and on um the only reason i wore one a lot on saturday was because it was so busy and i was like yeah it was packed saturday there's way too many people here and i was like i i'll just wear one to be safe but even so today it was like kind of dead Hey, could you move around? Do you have like elbow room and everything? Yeah, it was definitely definitely not as busy as Saturday, even Friday. Um, but yeah, go. Uh, sorry, and yeah, go ahead. And talk about um, talk about what you did Saturday. 
Uh, well, for me, the thing I do is usually most cons is like to go around, check all the panels, artists. Um, did a lot of walking around. I think I did like six miles of walking, which is great. But um, yeah, I hatched a lot of Pokemon eggs. I saw that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I got some artwork. I got some autographs too. So, uh, oh, what artwork and autographs did you get? So, I got an autograph from Dan Jurgens. Oh, my favorite. We'll talk about that. It's uh, Superman. Eric, you would love this. Uh, it's got the American flag. It's very patriotic. Okay. Because you, you know, I know you love Superman. Oh, and... yeah. Deep, 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 deep down in my heart. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, speaking of that, I got two autographs. I usually don't do autographs, but uh, had a couple had a couple of my voice actors from the Justice League and Batman cartoons when I was a kid, so I can explain a little bit about that. So the first one I want to talk about is I got an autograph from uh, Robert Costanzo. Costanza, I believe. Costanzo, Costanza. Can't stand so, Costanza, thank you. So he was the original voice actor for Detective Harvey Bullock in the 1990s uh, Batman series. Okay. Uh, Bruce Tim and uh, Andrew Romano. And that that was like my childhood, man. I mean, growing up, that was you know Saturday morning, Batman, back, back to back, Batman, Superman, and uh, yeah, no, I, I always enjoyed the uh, this version of, of uh, Harvey Bullock, who was a detective with the GCPD. Mm -hmm. He uh, looks like uh, I think Alfred Pennyworth called him like an un, like an un, looks like an unmade bed. <laughs> Paraphrasing. <laughs> Like donuts, drinks a lot of coffee. I'm like, huh, that that could be me. You know, I got the, I'm getting the uh, little uh, spare tire going on. So, mm, the half kick. Uh, yep. And uh, he, I, because I, I, and I mentioned this to him too that uh, I, besides Batman, he was on uh, the first season of NYPD Blue, which was uh, set in the 1990s. He was a uh, low level uh, mobster. He was in the first couple of episodes of season one, and uh, yeah, I binge watched uh, NYPD Blue until like season five or six, and it was a great show. It's one of the, I mean, it was one of like the better uh, cop shows out there. You know, everyone talks about what the favorite cop show is. You know, now it's I don't know the whatever iteration of uh, CSI or NCIS mm -hmm. or Criminal. Everyone likes Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds. I was Criminal Minds, and I, if I mentioned that, you were going to talk about it, but. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, NYPD Blue, Law and Order, um, Homicide, Life on the Street. Those are like the, the shows that my family used to watch when I was a kid. My mom specifically was big into the cop shows on A&E back in the day. So that was a uh, kind of little childhood memory there. And uh, he was a nice he was a nice dude. Uh, yeah, no, I had a good time. Uh, you know, of course, me, I'm always friggin' awkward and shit when I'm meeting like somebody I really admire and everything. So I was uh, stuttering out. And then... That's you all the time. <laughs> drive up here. We're gonna drive up and uh, make you eat those words. All right, I'll see you in three and a half hours. You'll see me in three hours. See you at one o'clock in the morning. Okay, bring it. <laughs> and uh, I also got an autograph from uh, George Newborn. He was the voice actor for Clark Kent, Superman in the Justice League animated series back in the early two thousands. Okay. And uh, yeah, he. I told him like, sir, I gotta be honest. Like, I'm a little. I've always had a, I've always had like a debate in my head, like which voice actor did I like most as Superman? It was 
a tie between George Newbern and uh, Tim Daly, who did Superman in the original Superman animated series from the late 90s, around the same time as uh, Batman Batman came out, or no, a couple years after Batman. Sorry, Batman was like 1992, 93. Superman came out in 97, 98. The anim- you can tell, Eric, the animation is just a bit crisper and a bit sharper uh, in Superman. Mm. But uh, yeah, no, he was he was really chill. Um, you know, asking me like, "What do you do for a living?" I'm like, "Oh, you know, I'm in management with the company, and uh, very personable. I like that. <laughs> Both of them were very personable." Hmm. I know. I mean, I always get worried, like you know, expect if you set your expectations too high with like a celebrity that you like, and they turn out to be a, like a, der- a jerk or a, mm-hmm. a pain in the ass, but that kind of bit tasty mouth. No, I had I, I had I felt very very well ha- happy with these. With these uh, two signatures, so I got my autographs. I don't really do photo photography. I'm a little photo shy. Maybe next time I'll get a photograph with uh, with somebody. Kevin Conroy. I might I might shell out some money to get a photograph with him. There you go. Yeah. Now you went on Saturday, right? I went on Saturday. I just did. Uh, I just did one day. So. And uh, what else was Saturday, Ian? Uh, lots of things are on Saturday, Eric. I have no idea what you're talking about. What I don't uh, toot my own horn. Come on, Ian. Tell the viewers. I turned 31. Happy? It was the old man's birthday. I'm so happy. You said, <laughs> yeah, uh, you said 31? I'm 31, yep. Man, I thought you were older. But you act like you were younger. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean... I'm eight. I'm 31. I'm tri- you know act like you're 21, man. That's all you gotta do until your body body feels on you. <laughs> you're a 31 year old who acts like an eight year old. <laughs> what does that make you, Eric, the child of the group? <laughs> the probably six, but I, I but I read at an eighth grade level. <laughs> yeah, well, don't talk to strangers. <laughs> nope. Don't accept candy from strangers. Yep, even if it tastes delicious. <laughs> now, wait, does that make you the oldest out of the three of us? No, we're uh, older. I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. Got I'm it. I'm always a year older than Ian. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so I think, yeah, well, Rare was born in 89, I was born in 90, and then you were born, what, uh, 2012 there, Eric? So what does that make you? 9, 10? 2020, actually. 2020? During COVID. Hey, Benjamin Button. <laughs> yep. Oh God. So, so you, what was the highlight of of your day at Terrificon? Uh, well, those autographs are pretty. One of my highlights. Uh, I like to check out the different artwork, the different panels that people have. So, I actually, uh, spoiler alert, I did buy a present from. Uh, Ray's uh, Ray's buddy there, Toby. So I really have to thank him for that. I got a uh, comic collage of the Spectre. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, which is actually one of my brother's favorite uh, DC heroes or anti heroes, I I think. was probably the best way to talk. Yeah, anti hero is the perfect way. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I I really liked his uh, collages. I don't have that artistic ability, so I'm always in amazement at people can draw like that. Was was Austin working? Is that why you didn't go down? Yeah, he he works on the weekends, so. Oh, uh, gotcha. Because I was gonna I, say, I'm surprised he didn't go. 
I know. Yeah, might try to get him to go to Boston Con in September if I end up going. I like Boston Cons. I, I do like Boston Comic Con a lot. That's a like twice the number of vendors, and yes, there's a lot of good stuff there. Nice. Uh, set it on a panel. I mean, Ray, you want to take over that? Talk a little bit about what uh, what we what we listened to. Uh, yeah. So we went to a panel uh, that was Captain America 80th anniversary, uh, celebrating Joe Simon, uh, his grandson uh, Jesse Simon uh, was the one who was part of it, talking about it. Um, it was really good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I w- didn't think I was going to be doing a panel until uh, we went to lunch, me, Ian, and uh, our friend John. And I was looking at the panel listings. I was like, oh, that looks really cool. I kind of want to go to that because obviously I was like, huge captain. I was like, yeah, I definitely need to go to this. Um, mm-hmm. It was really I messed up. Well, Ray, not to, I, me, I messed up, not to interrupt, I messed up because uh, originally I was going to get there and I wanted to check out the panel for uh, Marvel versus DC, but uh, I misread the time, so it's too late. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really good. Uh, he talked a lot about, you know, I, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't even know. Um, like how, you know, uh, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon, they were like best friends growing up. Um, ended up buying life partners. Yeah, a house across from each other. Um, you know, I, as much as I love Stan Lee, I didn't realize that he had kind of ratted them out and got them fired. No kidding. Yeah. I, I did hear there was like a lot of controversy, a lot of like bad blood between. Uh... Stanley and Jack Kirby. I just don't know about um, Joe Simon too. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I didn't know that either. Um, but it's also funny, and I thought, you know, maybe, maybe you like that a little more, Ian. That they also came up with like a lot of cool DC stuff. They did. I do like uh, my DC, my DC comics. Yeah, like I didn't know that they had uh, created the Newsboy Legion, which you know also had Jim Harper, who's also known as the Guardian. Um, I didn't even, I didn't even know that they did, uh, what was it? Young Romance, yeah. which is, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was, was funny like, they were thinking about, you know, okay, so we're obviously using superheroes to get, you know, boys, boys yeah. comics, how can we get girls? And they ended up coming up with, is that me echoing? Not a dad or my dog snoring. I don't. I couldn't tell you which one. Oh, I don't know. I, I heard myself like echoing. I didn't know if it was me. Um, right. When when did this? What was this like? The sixties and seventies, correct? Late fifties, early sixties. I think so. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just giggling, just laughing because, um, like a, a line of I think a line of comics right that we sell that today would not really uh, go over well in society. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's there's different times. Um, But yeah, they had created Young Romance to like, you know, get get girls to read comics. And it's funny because like, I guess they had a character in there where like, you know, girls could write in their problems. Like, how come this boy doesn't like me or, you know, something like that. Kind of like a a Dear Abby kind of thing. Yeah. And like, it's just, it was 
funny to think that it was, you know, two middle-aged men answering those questions. I think Ian would have benefited from that. <laughs> uh, questions are asking the questions, Eric. Be very specific. <laughs> no, you got to be the one asking the questions about your young romance. <laughs> Oh, God. Why don't any of these girls like me? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't want to hear any stories about Ian. I'm good. Um, yeah, Ian, yeah. she's out there somewhere. It was pretty good. Not real, Eric. <laughs> I learned a lot about Joe Simon. Um, and even Jack Kirby was pretty cool. It was also pretty cool because they had um, one of the one of the Harvey kids who did like... Uh, came out with like Richie Rich comics and stuff like that. He and uh, Jesse Simon are actually like family friends, which is crazy. Hmm. And uh, Jesse and uh, Jack Kirby's grandson, right? They're trying to start their own like own sort of comic line. Yeah. Yeah, off yeah, yeah. Um, and then he told, he told a really funny story. I mean, I thought it was kind of funny um, about how, you know, he was invited to the red carpet premiere of Endgame, but he felt he had to go to the one with all the celebrities. So he kind of just like forced his way in, which I think was, you know, pretty cool. Which, like, you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people were like, oh, well, he's just, you know, an entitled kid or something like that. But I mean, <laughs> he actually brought up the point, like, without his. You know, without Joe Simon, we wouldn't have Captain America. Hmm. Um, there, Ray, you, how did you appreciate, because you got some posters from uh, Jesse. How did you appreciate the artwork? You show me two. You show me one where it was uh, Captain jumping in, saving Bucky from basically Hitler, Adolf Hitler. Um, so it's funny, he actually like explained a couple of the posters. So like one poster, you can see that Captain America has like a triangle shield. And I guess at the time, who was it? Was it Timely Comics that they worked for? I think it was Timely Comics that they worked for. And they said, no, we want to use a circular shield. So I think it was Captain America issue two where the circular shield showed up. And it's funny, I actually didn't even know that they were there was only like 11 Captain America issues because when Timely found out that, um, you know, they were not really moonlighting, but also like doing stuff for DC. Um, they, they got were, in trouble. Yeah, they got in trouble <laughs> and then they fired them. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool because like one print I have is specifically just um, Joe Simon work. And then the other print I have is... Joe Simon and Jack Kirby work. And if you look at it really closely, you can tell like who was doing what in it. Um, and it was pretty cool. I really liked the prints. Uh, even Jesse Simon ended up doing like little sketches at the bottom of them. Like he did a red skull on one, a Captain America on one, two shields on another one. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. I really enjoyed the panel. Uh, I, he actually even had some, old Captain America issues there, but they were they were really expensive. I was like, uh, yeah, I'm in the price range. Yeah, like I think the cheapest one was like five fifty and I was like, oof, I don't think I could do that. Yeah, I gotta look at my even as I know we all talked about like, you know, it's a first con, let's spend money. Even I'm like, uh, I can't 
break the uh, pocketbook like that just, just now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. I, I think I liked the panel. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. There was a lot of cool history about it. Um, yeah. Anytime you punch a Nazi is a good time for me. <laughs> now, going back to the Booster Gold situation here. I know you wanted to expand on it because we kind of cut that short off earlier. Yeah, so I was um, at Terrificon. I was there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I was – so for me, personally, I, I – you guys, you two have seen my collection. I just posted, like, a bunch of pictures off and on throughout the week getting ready. I was like, man, I really do have a lot of comics. And so, like – Dan Jurgens was there, and I'm a huge Dan Jurgens fan because um, he, you know, wrote the Booster Gold comic. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'll bring some Booster Gold comics. I was looking through. I was like, wow, I have a lot of Booster Gold comics. And I was like, wow, I have a lot of signed Booster Gold comics. Like, even in my apartment, I have a signed Booster Gold comic by Dan Jurgens that's hanging up right next to my Heroes in Crisis print with Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. Yeah, I love that poster. That's yeah, that's still that's still one of my favorites. And even like like I have the the Justice League International um prints and I have a couple omnibuses that are Justice League International that showcase Booster Gold and like I was thinking about it a lot and I was like, Man, I think Booster Gold's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Why don't you tell us what is it about Booster Gold that you consider him your favorite DC hero? So I just like I I just like the fact that he was a janitor who you know stole a Legion flight ring, a uh, uh, force field, and a time bubble, and he's like, I'm just gonna go back in time and you know make my life better. And I was like, all right, I can get behind that. All right, I'd do the same thing. And it's funny because like even in the comics, like. So even in like even in Justice League International, like you could tell right off the rip he was out for himself. Like he's like, you know, I'm, I'm if I get in the Justice League, that means I'll be in good terms, and you know, I'll be able to do whatever I want. And it's funny because like in Justice League International, as it goes on, he actually like ends up you know becoming best friends with Blue Beetle, and those two are just hilarious together. Um, well, it was either last week or no, yeah, no, it was the week before last week. Um, the Dan Jurgens, Ryan Sook, Blue and Gold book came out, which is Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Um, you know, back in continuity and causing as much mayhem as they can. Um, mm-hmm. But it's funny because like they had like so many crazy ideas. Like they had one where like they were gonna have like a vacation island that turned to like a death trap and it's just like I was thinking about a lot I was like man I really like Booster Gold he's just such a good character and he tries to redeem himself even in Heroes in Crisis yeah and I I personally liked Heroes in Crisis I know a lot of people don't but I really enjoyed that yeah I, I that was a surprise hit for me because I I mean, I like Tom King anyways, but, like, that was a really good, like, it was almost a really good just Booster Gold Harley Quinn comic. Yep. Which, you know, you, you would never think those two heroes would be in the same setting. Um, Stretching the uh, phrase there with hero for Harley Quinn. 
Unless yeah. she's re- redeemed herself. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Steam Booster Gold. <laughs> Who would you want to play him in in a movie? Oh, that's tough. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> no, definitely not. No. <laughs> um, man, I can't. I, I mean, maybe, maybe Matthew McConaughey if he was younger. Okay. I think he'd be a really good booster gold. Um, All right, right there, Daddy. Let's say we save the world for money and fame. Yeah, not with the accent though. He'd have to be like good. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to. I'd have to think. I'd have to think about it. Who do you not want to see play Booster Gold? Um, I mean, definitely Ryan Reynolds. I can't even think who would play a good Blue Beetle either. Now that I think about it, I mean, I I know that they're they're casting one though. Yeah, I, I, what? yeah, they're doing a Blue Beetle show on um, HBO Max, I believe. Is it is it Jaime Reyes or is it Ted Cord? It's Jaime. Oh, yep, I'm out. Because they want the, the Latino route. Yeah, I'm out. I, I don't know. I'm not really... I'm not... After after Ted Cord got killed in the uh, OMAF project, I, I'm not really a huge Jaime Reyes fan. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. What was, what was your favorite part of Terrificon this year, Ray? Well, we're definitely going to have to take a quick break, and then I will 100%. Brainstorm on that one. Yeah, we're gonna, well, once we take a quick break here, you guys are, are in for the Ray Half Hour Show. <laughs> the Ray Show, coming up next. Unfortunately. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Stay tuned. Go, man. <laughs> Anyways, so on to the Ray half hour show where you get to listen to me talk about comic books all day every day um yeah 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 i'm sure everyone's excited to listen to me blab about my comics um so anyways so i went all three days um because that is what i do it's funny so whenever i whenever comic book comic cons come around what i do is Immediately, as soon as the fiscal year flips and I get all my PTO reset, I ask for every single convention off that I'm doing. <laughs> and then uh, my bosses go, oh, Comic-Cons? And I'm like, yep, exactly. So they already know. There's no way around it. Um, and it's like, so I, I've been, Terrificon's my favorite, as you guys all remember from the Terrificon episode we did a couple yep. of years ago. Um Terrificon's my favorite. It's always been my favorite. Um, they have so many good artists and writers and even celebrities there. Um, and, you know, it's just like... It, it, so Friday Friday was pretty good. Um, I was able to use my new special Comic-Con Jim Lee bag that Jim Lee designed for comic book conventions. Um, it's a really nice bag. It's got different holders for your comics. You can put a laptop in there, water bottle, poster holder. Um, it's just it's such a good bag. I can't speak any more highly of it. Uh, right. I remember yesterday you were saying that you were looking around for so long, your back was starting to hurt. Yeah, well, that's only because I had too many comics in it. <laughs> as soon as as soon as I went to the car and unloaded some, like I was like, oh man, I feel better. Um. 
I thought this year I was going to have to use my hand truck to bring around a little small, um, small, small box of comics, which luckily I didn't because after doing that a couple years ago at Terrificon, that was a real pain in the ass. I, <laughs> it was just difficult to maneuver around people. Um, but yeah, so I went Friday. Uh, I wore my mask when I came in just because I wasn't 100% sure on how everything was going to happen. Yeah, I ate the same way. Yeah, uh, so it was pretty fun. Um, right off the rip, I went straight to my friend Toby's booth to say hi because, you know, Toby's one of my one of my good friends. And, you know, I also wanted to see what he had done for the convention. Um, and also, whenever I go, uh, I always ask Toby, hey, is there stuff you want me to get signed for you? Because I know he's busy with his booth and um, it was just him. Uh, so I wanted to help him out, get stuff signed. Uh, my big hitters for Friday uh, were scrolling through my list here. Uh, definitely uh, Donnie Cates, um, Dan Jurgens, 100%. Um, who else? Oh, Tim Sale was another one. Um, and like, like they had a pretty good lineup of people there. So it was like all these top-notch artists and writers. And surprisingly, I whittled all my piles down, like I'm sure everyone's seen on like my Facebook page. Because um, <laughs> it, it was it started out pretty bad. Because like Monday, I was like, "Oh shit, Terrificons on Friday. I don't know what I'm bringing." So I had to like I spent like four hours going through long boxes, finding what I wanted to bring, which is. I think it's fun, but I get sidetracked real easily because I'm like, oh, I didn't know I had that. And then I'll start reading it. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know I had that. And then I'll start reading it. So oh, I've done that too, man. Yeah. So long story short, I need to take a day and just reorganize everything, which is kind of annoying because these long boxes are starting to get really heavy. <laughs> Especially like because when Eric helped me move, he knows how heavy they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that wonderful day. That was... <laughs> That was a rough day. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> um. So yeah. So um. Got there around. Oh, I don't even remember what time they opened. I want to say they opened around one thirty. Ten o'clock for Saturday. Yeah, I think it was one thirty on. Uh. Yeah. So it was one thirty on Friday. So I was lucky enough to get a half day. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go home, take, take like a four-hour nap, and then go. So 1.30, um, I got there, and, you know, uh, I was walking around, said hi to Toby, checked if he needed me to get anything for him signed. And I was like, okay. So I just walked around. Uh, I went to Jan Jurgens right off the bat because I always think Dan Jurgens is going to be busy because he's Dan Jurgens, Like, he's a Booster Gold writer, um, artist for Booster Gold also, like, he did the Superman uh, Death and Return run, so, like, I always think it's going to be crazy. He wasn't busy at all, which I was like, oh my god, that's crazy. So, I got a, I got um, my Booster Gold uh, Volume 1 and 2 trade signed. Uh, I got some Booster Gold comics signed, and I posted them on the Adventure Geeks uh, Facebook page. I put my Terrificon album up there. 
Um, and then I went over to Donnie Kate's line, which was, he was getting there around, I can't remember if it was three or four. Um, and so it's funny. So whenever you go, you got to figure out what these guys are charging. Cause back in the day, they never charged anything. You could bring as many comics as you wanted. They'd sign away. And then, you know, I'm sure down the line, they said, Hey, we can actually make money off of it. So then they, uh, you know, said, Hey, we're going to start charging for signatures. Um, Dan though, I, I saw Dan Jurgens every single day because I had books for him every single day. And it's funny. So like Dan Jurgens only asked for donations to Hero Initiative, which I always donate anyways, because Hero Initiative is this uh, kind of like a group where, you know, they take money and they donate it towards uh, artists and writers, you know, who are, you know, because they don't get health insurance. So this is all straight up for them. It's to help them, you know, if they have medical bills, something like that. Um, so I always donate anyway. So I, I, you know, put 40 bucks in because I was like, you know, I like your initiative. I love Dan Jurgens. He's my, one of my favorites. Um, and then I went over to Donny Kate's line and that got busy real fast. Because uh, obviously Donny Cates is one of the hottest writers right now uh, for comics. So I had to really whittle down what I wanted because it was like, I, what, I, what did I tell you, Eric? I can't remember. Was it first signature free? Say that again? I said, I can't remember what I told you. What, what was it, first signature free for him? Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. And I think it was like $10 after that, something like that. Yeah, so it was it was first signature free ten dollars after that. So I had to whittle my books down. So I ended up going with um, my Silver Surfer Black one. Yes. Um, mm. My Silver Surfer Treasury Edition uh, graphic novel um, crossover, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, his run on Guardians of the Galaxy and the uh, the Venom two hundred copy. Uh, the Sam, what was that? I think it's the Sam Keith cover. I can't remember. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then, uh, other than that, like I, I walked around for a little bit. I had to like stretch my time out because I really want to get Tim Sale. Um, mm. Tim Sale, who's done Superman for all seasons, uh, all the Marvel, you know, uh, Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Gray, Spider-Man Blue. Yeah, Spider-Man Blue, um, one of my favorites. Captain America White, The Long Halloween, Dark Victory for Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, like, I I really needed Tim Sale. Uh, I met him before, uh, but even seeing him now, you can tell he's aged. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, he only was doing signings for the first hour and the last hour. Hmm. Um, because he was probably filled up with commissions, which I'm not surprised because there were right. a lot of commissions. Um, so I ended up getting uh, my Captain America White sign, and he was pretty cool. Like it was, uh, it, it was like the first three, if you personalized them, were free, and then it was like ten bucks after that. So I ended up getting um, my Long Halloween signed, my Spider-Man Blue signed, um, and by entire Captain America white run signed. And then it's funny, we were standing in line, and I was like, oh, crap, I forgot about my Superman for all seasons. So then today, uh, my friend Anthony was in line for Klaus Jensen, and I was like, 
hey, man, can you get my Superman for all season signed? Because uh, Toby wanted to get his amazing Spider-Man 252 signed by Klaus Jensen. Uh, and Toby, if you're listening, I'm going to say that why you got it signed was because that was the first comic book his dad ever gave him. Oh. So that was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, That's I got cool. pretty much all my sales stuff signed. And then, you know, walked around, checked out a few vendors. Um, there wasn't anything that really popped out to me. Uh, it looked like the vendors were not as plenty as there was, like, the past years it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, and even... And probably because the, the pandemic maybe took a few people out. Ouch, Ian. Why would you say it so darkly? I'm not... I'm, I'm just being... I'm being honest. Maybe the pandemic hurt... hurt, hurt. Look, the pandemic probably hurt the the artist community as it hurt every other communi- oh, community. Around. Is 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 the Batman overtaking the Superman right now? Well, he <laughs> made it sound like they died, and I was like, Jesus, that's dark. No, no, I meant like economically, not. Oh, okay. uh, well, it made you you made it sound uh, like they okay, died. Like, I was like, yeah, I got you. Oh, my, my apologize. That's, I took I took it that way too, Ray. Okay, All right. Well, that's, that's my apology dark. letter. How's that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, oh man, that is that is dark. Um, so yeah, I just walked around a little bit, um, hung out with Toby a little bit. Uh, I love seeing Toby. He's awesome. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty much the first day. Uh, then I came home, got ready for the next day. Uh, and then Saturday, which was packed, like the line to get in was very annoying. Um, we got there around 10, and we barely found parking on the fourth floor of the garage out of a five-floor garage. Jesus. Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't park in the garage. I parked out in the... Uh... Yeah, you even parked out in the sticks. I did. <laughs> but a little walk never killed anybody. That's true. Well, I was a nice guy, and I gave him a ride to his car, so... Driving Miss Daisy. Uh yeah, we almost crazy. I almost killed ourselves, but yeah, this is. Uh... That's all right. I almost got into our car crash, so. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Ian and I cannot have licenses anymore. <laughs> Let's just say I've been very lucky in my uh, driving history. <laughs> um. So yeah. So day two. Oh, I forgot to talk about one more cool thing I had. Uh, I was walking by this artist. Um. I can't remember his name, but he had these cool Calvin and Hobbes prints. Oh, that's cool. Um, but the first thing that popped out to me was he did like some anime characters in like classic comic book covers. So like he did All Might from My Hero Academia yep, yep. in like the classic Superman cover. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I stopped by, talked to the artist a little. Um He's actually a huge... So I noticed one of his tattoos was Scud the Disposable Assassin, which was an old image comic done by Rob Schrab. And I loved that comic. So I was like, oh man, I really like your Scud tattoo. And he's like, whoa, you know what that is? And I was like, yeah, man, I have the the whole shebang at my apartment right now. And he's like, so we started talking about Scud a little bit. So that was pretty cool. But I bought this really cool Calvin and Hobbes print because I'm a huge Calvin and Hobbes fan. I was going to say, that's a classic. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, so then, uh, what are we on, day two? Yep, day yeah, two. So, so day two, obviously, whenever I got there, so I stopped by, I talked to Toby. 
It's like, hey, do you want me to get anything signed for you? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, you can give me a few things. So I was like, okay. So he gave me his Amanda Connor books to get signed, and um, that was it. So I went and got Lee Weeks to sign um, a Spider-Man comic, uh, a Batman comic, and the um, Superman, Lois, and Clark series, uh, and the Convergence Superman, which had brought John Kent into DC continuity. Uh, Superman sucks. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's pretty cool because I was like, oh my god, I didn't even know I had those. And then it's funny, so like like I talked about at the, the other Terrificon um, episode, I love getting double signatures, triple signatures, as many signatures as I, as I can on a comic. So <clears throat> when I had my Convergence comics, I was like the Superman, Lois, and Clark ones. I was like, oh, I didn't know Dan Jurgens wrote this. So I went over to Dan Jurgens' booth again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know i i had him sign it and i was like you know thank you for bringing john to continuity he's such a great character and right now tom taylor is writing a really good um john kent comic nice. um so yeah i got lee weeks and then i was walking by and i was like oh joe gl is here who's like one of the oldest batman artists that's you know still around so I was like, oh, man, his line's really long. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll try it. I ended up standing in line for three hours, and then they cut everyone off right after me. Jesus. So <laughs> I, I was in line. Um, I didn't have anything I wanted to get signed, but he had a couple cool prints. Uh, he had this cool uh, – where's the prints? So he had this cool um, – uh, Batman cover issue 171 where um, the Riddler is spinning like a top and Batman and Robin are trying to hit him. That's cool. Um, so I got that. And then I also got uh, this. And Flash is probably my number two DC. Um, the, cover, the cover of Jay Garrick's Golden Age Flash and Barry Allen's Silver Age Flash Running to help someone with the Flash of Two Worlds cover, he did a print of that. So I was like, "Oh my god, I need to have that." Hmm. Um, so it's kind of funny. So I was standing in line, and I called Toby. I was like, "Hey, Toby, I'm in line for Joe Giella. You want me to get anything signed for you?" And he's like, "Oh my god, yes, I do." So we took one of his Justice League of America um, collages he did, and he was like, "Just let me know when you get closer, and I'll come over." And I'll get that signed. So I was like, okay. And actually, one of the other guys from the comic book group, which I've seen him at every single convention I go to, I didn't even know he was in the group um, until I was talking to Toby about it. And Toby's like, oh, yeah, that's Jay. So Jay came up to me, and he's like, hey, man, I'm going to walk around with my wife. Do you mind if uh, you get these signatures for me? I was like, no, nah, man, which like is pretty cool because like, you know, I like conventions because we're all about helping each other. Mm -hmm. um, so like, there were days like even – like Saturday and today, like Toby wanted to walk around with his wife or he wanted to get some signatures. I was like, yeah, I'll watch the booth. I don't have a problem with that. So I just like the fact that everyone's here to help each other. Um, so that was pretty cool. So then they called us up and like I had the three comics. I bought two prints and I called Toby. Like I was like, hey, Toby, I'm number four in line. Uh, I don't know if you want to start heading over. So he's like, yeah, I'll head right over. So he came up. And literally after Toby walked in the line with me, 
they were like, okay, we're cutting him off after you. So talking to me and Toby, I was like, whoa, we got really lucky. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Because, like, you know, especially with Joe Giella, he's like, I think he's like 93 or something. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you could tell it was it was tiring because, like, you know, you expect people to come in with, like, you know, two or three books. There was one guy at the beginning of the line who had, like, 15 books, and I was like, yo, come on. Yeah, that's insane. Like, you got to know when it's enough. Like, that's all. Have a little common sense, a little courtesy. Yeah, like, I mean, and people need to think about that. Like, you know, uh, Joe Giella is like 93, so it's like, man, like, he's already, you know, it's rough for him already. Like, um, that was pretty cool. And then, you know, met up with Ian. So then we grabbed some lunch, and then uh, we went to the... the panel yeah we went to the panel uh, i was trying to think did we do something before that oh yeah we went back to jan jurgens yeah i got my uh autograph i got my stuff there my autograph yeah and uh it's pretty cool so like i got a couple of my superman comics signed and then um so yeah then we went to the panel and hold on one second i'm actually going through my notes too Yep, so then we went to the panel, and then after the panel, I was like, okay, well, I'm pretty much done. Like, I got everything I need to get done. Then I went home, and then this morning, I went over to my friend Anthony's, and we went for day three. <laughs> <laughs> Which, um, at that point in time, I was like, I really don't have too many other people I want to get. So, it was a pretty low-key day today. Uh, haha, low-key. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty low key day today. Like I got like maybe the extra signatures I wanted and I wanted some Amanda Connor done because she did Silk Spectre and I had some Harley Quinns for Toby. I got signed for him. Um, but even now, even like third day, you can tell these guys are just done. Like, yeah, you can just tell like Anthony went and got Donnie Cates and he almost seemed like he was coming off a little rude. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot. I don't blame them, especially on the third day. Like third day, you're just like, I'm done, pretty much. Like, like me personally, I was like, I spent you know money that I probably shouldn't have spent. I'm really tired. Like my feet hurt. Um, I worked third shift, so I wasn't used to being up there in the day. Um, and so like I got some comics signed by Peter Tomasi, and you know you could tell he was like anxious to get out of there and. Like Dan Jurgens left real fast, and you know it was it was a pretty much you know one of those things. Um, but yeah, and then you know I stayed I stayed and helped Toby for a little bit, um, helped him you know push the business a little, which was kind of fun. I was like, oh man, I wish he would hire me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like a uh, real quick thing here, and hopefully I won't go over time. Um, I, so Anthony actually introduced me to this whenever we go to conventions, he always likes asking, uh, fun little questions to, uh, the writers and artists whenever we're getting stuff done. Um, so I asked Lee Weeks, um, I was like, who's been your favorite writer to, you know, draw for. And he said that he, he's pretty much liked everyone, but he really liked working with Tom King. Um, interesting. They did a short little run on Batman where uh, they were dealing with uh, who, quote-unquote, killed Mr. Freeze. And he said that they had a lot of the 
same ideas about stuff and they just vibe good. So that was pretty cool. Um, I talked to Dan Jurgens. Uh, you know, I said, you know, what was it like working with Brian Sook on Blue and Gold? And he said, you know, he really liked Brian's art style of like how it looked kind of like Adam Hughes, like kind of semi-realistic. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, talked with Jerry Ordway about working with um, Roy Thomas because he did this awesome Captain America and the Invaders comic. And he said he had a lot of fun working with uh, Roy Thomas because Roy had a lot of cool historical knowledge that he actually used in the comics, oh. uh, which was pretty cool because I didn't know that. And then he also talked about how they had this huge plan for uh, the Justice Society when he was doing it with Jeff Johns, but they had to scrap it because Grant Morrison was coming out with Multiversity at that time, even though Multiversity kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed, mm-hmm. which is kind of upsetting because I love the JSA. I actually bought this really cool um, the first time JLA, the JLA met the JSA print from Jerry, Jerry Wardway, and uh, that was pretty cool. Um Side note, uh, shout out to um, BoomTube Comics in Newington, Connecticut, because they're going to be hosting a uh, Jerry Ordway's coming to sign the new Batman 89 comic, the cover that he did. So I'm, I'm going to go to that. Nice. Um, real quick again, talked to Donnie Cates about, you know, his work. And he said that he really loved working with Trad Moore. Said he's a really good guy to work with and like his art's fantastic. Uh, Tim Sale was pretty cool. He said that Hulk Gray was one of his favorite stories to draw for. Interesting. Yeah, he said that uh, Jeff Loeb had so many awesome ideas for it. Like He was just really hyped to draw for it. And the last one I talked to was uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. Um, I don't know if anyone follows them on Twitter, but they were really good friends with Darwin Cook, who's like one of my favorite artists. Unfortunately, he passed away years ago uh, due to cancer. But, like, it was funny, like, we talked about Darwin Cook a little bit, how much his art meant to me. And, you know, he said that he and Amanda said they miss him a lot. And, you know, sometimes they'll shake their fist and be like, why did you leave? Like, (laughs) Uh Um, but, yeah, it was pretty cool. I had a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, that's enough of the Ray Hour. (laughs) I enjoyed the Ray Hour. Good, man. It was good. Uh, Any other thoughts, gentlemen? Um, keep them coming. <laughs> no, I just you know, I'm um, I'm just really glad conventions are back. Yeah, I'm hoping I'll be able to go to one this year. We'll do a New Hampshire Comic Con. Um, I know in a couple weeks they have the uh, the little giant one in New Hampshire. Oh, I might not be around though. I don't know. I'll have to look. <laughs> the little giant one's pretty good. Toby's gonna be up there. Okay. All right, gentlemen, so I think that does it. Um, thank you all for listening to our wonderful cup, almost two-hour spiel. Yeah, um, yeah I'm sorry you, you had to listen to me for about like 45 minutes of it. No, no, it's good. It's good. I, I learned a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I like doing that thing that Anthony does where you, you know, ask cool questions. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys want to follow us on Instagram, it's at the Adventure Geeks. If you want to follow me, this is Eric. You can follow me on Instagram at Easy Spidey Eight. 
Zine, you can follow me at Sully1918 on Instagram. And Ray, you can follow me at CapRayFlash on Instagram. And we will be spitting these out every week, guys, so try to keep up. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Every, every week. Hopefully Thank you, you guys. listen to me drone on for too long. No, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed these conversations. Oh, and I got a quote for us for the end. Oh, yes. Give us the quote to send us home. Yeah. Never, all right. Never stop being a good person because of bad people. I like it. Very nice. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. Thank you, philosopher Ian. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you, guys, and see you all next week. Thank you very much. Yep. And I also just wanted to add the fact that I saw a bunch of, like, my friends that I missed seeing at conventions. Uh, first off, you know, saw Toby, Tobias Kodachrome, um, who does one of the many awesome collages that I personally have decorating my entire apartment. Um, Kodachrome Comic Shop on Instagram, Facebook. I uh, cannot speak any more highly of his work. I myself have at least 15 in my apartment alone. All different characters, and they're all different unique ones. Um, also, shout out to seeing Clay. I really miss seeing Clay. Um, he's one of my good friends. Hopefully we can uh, hang out more now that everything's back to normal. Um, shout out to my friend John, who ended up coming with me. Like every single time we go to Terrificon, always have a good time. I uh, ended up running into uh, one of my friends, Mike, from, or he used to work at FedEx, who, you know, I'm really glad that I was able to see him outside of work, especially because, like, he's a huge nerd like me, so that was pretty cool. Um, overall, you know, saw Mike Carano, who's uh, a patron of BoomTube Comics in Newington, saw Dan, the owner, and, you know, that was pretty cool. Saw Ray, female Ray. She's pretty awesome to talk to. Uh, also, Mike does a lot of cool, Mike Carano does a lot of cool art um, that you can find, uh, I believe, in the Facebook group, Make Comic Book Collecting Fun Again. And I uh, finally met, you know, someone who I've seen at a bunch of different conventions, Jay, JV, so he was pretty cool to meet. Um... But yeah, overall, just having a lot of fun at conventions is cool. Like, running into your friends, people you haven't seen for a while. Um, it's nice to see everyone again. Um, but it was really cool seeing everyone. And I can't wait to see you guys at the next convention.